0: Diverse voices,
1: unique sound, not the same old thing, different, different. This is NOCO FM.
0: Hi, and welcome to Connecting a Better World where we spend time meeting some of the most incredible human beings who make this world a better place. We will learn how each individual took their ideas, mission, and purpose to create and serve others in business and organizations that surround social good, social entrepreneurship, and social impact, and find out how we, together, can further connect others to help. I am your host, Dr. Natalie Phillips. Today, we will be talking with Sosama Samuel Burnett, founder and president of Global Justice, a nonprofit organization founded in 2014 and focused on improving, impacting, and inspiring the generations to learn, lead, and do justice together. Global extends geopolitical learning opportunities for biblical advocacy and leadership to prepare students and professionals to pursue justice collaboratively, creatively, and ethically. So I wanted to welcome my dear, dear friend, Sosama. We caught up recently, and I really wanted her to be on our show and to share what she's doing here with Global Justice. So welcome to the show.
1: Oh, thank you, Natalie. It's wonderful to join you.
0: Thanks. And I just wanted to learn more about, first of all, who you are and what sparked your interest into creating
1: Global Justice, and what exactly is it? Wow, those are big questions. (laughs) So maybe a little background. I was born in India. And I think coming from a, a different place and coming here as an immigrant, I've always had an interest in all things international. And it's just kind of who I am and and how I'm made, I guess. The second piece of it is my life story is is not one straight line. It's been several different experiences. I've been a human rights advocate for many years. I was an educator, teaching at a, a university. I've done a number of other things in the public affairs, and ultimately. Um, When I landed here in Colorado in 2013, it really gave me an opportunity to kind of start fresh and think, well, what can I do with all these different experiences and how can I continue to make a significant impact? And this vision for Global came from that. And it was this idea that why not, instead of choosing one of those paths, put those together? So suddenly advocacy, education, some of these other experiences collectively came together into something that I call a resource. So global is meant as a platform to inform people about issues of justice, but it's also a resource to the community so that other advocacy groups, educational institutions, etc., can benefit, grow, and develop further through the efforts that we might provide them. What's your background? Besides being born in India, I, I grew up in Canada and did my grade school years there. Then my family moved to Minnesota. And I'm uh, sort of the classic example of the immigrant story because my father had a dream to come to America. And when he got here, Minnesota just became our place. And we grew up there. I learned a lot, wonderful relationships. And then I went on to school in Washington, D.C. and studied international relations and politics and kind of firmed up my interest in all things global And from there, I went on to work for three years in different locations, first in Washington, D.C. in public affairs. Then I went to San Francisco and worked um, in a legal environment. And then I went back to Minneapolis and worked with a large media company. So these different experiences were all very useful things for the future. Um, I didn't know that necessarily, but it was just great steps toward ultimately going to law school. So I went to law school focused on international human rights, and had some amazing experiences there. Ultimately got a fellowship um, to then go work at the United Nations uh, in Geneva, Switzerland. And that really opened up the world. While I've had these various educational opportunities, now I got to actually be engaged with the world. It was tough work, hard work, but it was really meaningful work. And I think it positioned me and sealed the deal for me that human rights was my passion and what I wanted to do with my career. So ultimately, that led me to directing a couple of different human rights organizations. Then I moved to California with my husband, and there had a chance to build and develop a public policy program for a university. I chaired that department for about 10 years, um, and then ultimately landed here in Colorado. When you came to Colorado,
0: I know that you said that you were kind of deciding what you were going to do, but how did, did you ever think that, okay, I'm going to maybe take a rest or I might do something different since you have a couple of different things in your background? Mm -hmm. Or did you say, okay, I'm going to hit the ground running. Like, let me see what I can do. And like, what's around here and what should I do and what should I focus on? Like, how did it work for you when you came here from California?
1: Well, to a large extent, it was circumstantial. So I'll I'll share a little personal on this. So what happened was my husband and I came here with my family for a vacation in July of that year. And it was just vacation. We love Colorado and we're going to visit friends. And some of our friends said, oh, you need to move here. Well, my husband is a pilot and uh, with an airline. And at that time he was based out of Oakland. And then suddenly there was an opportunity for him out of Denver. So shortly after this vacation, he just asked, he inquired, is there an opportunity for me to shift to Denver? And they said, yes. And you have an opportunity to bid till 5 p.m. today. And it was 3 p.m. Oh, wow. <laughs> and so we had this immediate decision to make. And then we literally had one week where we bought a house, sold a house, and were moving to Colorado. It was not planned. It was not expected. And maybe sometimes life works like that. So then we get here, and um, very quickly another week passes, and we find out my husband had a very serious illness, and that illness was nothing we had ever expected. This was a guy who was very active; just finished running a marathon. No one would have known that he was actually quite ill. And when we arrived here, literally everything he needed, which was you know his medical uh, experts, you know all of his oncology experts, everyone, they were right here in the Loveland, Fort Collins, Denver area. And so it became really clear that we were sort of led here. I mean, this was not something that we could have planned or expected. So in terms of career, I didn't come here thinking, I'm going to come and start X, Y, or Z. Right. I came just following this incredibly fast lead. Then we got here, and I felt my job was holding down the fort. And it was an opportunity to take care of my husband and make sure that he would get well and my children. You know, We now have three children, my son and my twin girls. And so that was important. And so I wasn't looking for a new career path at that moment. I thought this is what was important. But to get to your point, what was interesting about the decision-making process was how that led me to global. So my husband, who's a mountain man, really turned to the mountains for inspiration, for getting well. You know, he, he was challenged by them. He wanted to climb them again, that kind of thing. And I watched that, and I experienced that on a day-to-day basis, and I realized, you know, that's a great metaphor for life. That's a great metaphor for many things, and it certainly was for justice. So suddenly the mountains became this inspiration for me because I realized climbing mountains is a lot like seeking justice. You have to prepare. You have to work hard. You have to persevere. And you may or may not make it to the summit, right? But you will try because once you get there, you have this incredible experience. For me, that's what justice is like. It's, it's more about this journey. So that became the inspiration for Global. So Global is uh, much more than an organization for me. It was inspired by personal events, but also these professional experiences through the years. Wow,
0: that's incredible. That's an incredible story, actually. So what kinds of things does Global do? And give me some examples of some of the maybe issues or programs that you've developed.
1: Well, Global is a very different organization in the sense that we don't focus on one particular topic. Um, We focus on political, economic, and social concerns. And really, it's the underlying concerns. So for example, we'll be concerned about poverty and human trafficking and the refugee crisis, and we do work on all those fronts. But mostly what we want to do is get to the root of it. Why are these things happening? We are a faith-based organization, but we also work across the lines. So we have a wide variety of entities that work with us, both faith-based and secular. We work with political issues, and yet we're nonpartisan. So we have people representing a range of perspectives. We also work cross-generationally and cross-sectorally, which means for us, not just working with policy people or legal people, even though that's our background, but also with business people and artists and educators and you know health professionals. We also want to make sure that we're really preparing the next generation as well. So when we do an event, we don't want just seasoned leaders. We want emerging leaders and that cross-communication. And so ultimately, that is all sort of based on this one fundamental understanding. Justice is hard work. So we can't expect that any one group, person, sector has it all, can do it all. And so we really need to join hands. So we realize there's a lot of advocacy groups that are really good at single issue. So what we offer to them is is this other type of support where we can bring a network and collaboration and opportunities that just don't come naturally.
0: As a health professional, like myself, you and I had talked about this. And part of what you do too is the educational part. So like my practice could possibly be a little bit more aware so that we can even talk about it if if it comes up with our patients or, you know, things like that. So give me an example of maybe how I can integrate that into my profession.
1: So one is just your own personal mindset, you know, understand that justice is important and making sure that you're living that out and that you can integrate that into your business. But then more concrete ways of doing that are things like, for example, you're an audiologist, you're this professional in the health field, and you bring something to the justice field that others don't. So let's say you have a child that's in a low-income situation. Maybe they're having issues with hearing or other needs. And then suddenly we need professionals like yourself to be able to step in and consider the need of that child, maybe the need of a community. It was interesting. I saw a video recently about um, this area in the Philippines where they have a high incidence of children that are deaf. And it's because of their circumstances, lack of medical care, lack of appropriate you know, nutrition, et cetera. So, you know, you never know when you have someone who has a very specialized field and what they can bring to a, an arena that is very complicated and difficult.
0: So it's not just even about the awareness either, but do you connect people to other organizations that might be able to help, like, say, that individual or that family that I've identified?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So we do that through s- several different means. One is we do research. And so we'll do research on topics that maybe not everyone is well familiar with. We currently have a fellow where she has a background in environmental concerns, and she is uh, putting her efforts into a study that looks at where different waste disposal sites are located, and how they might disproportionately affect low-income or other lesser-advantaged groups. That could be very useful information, not just for environmental people, but policymakers and others, because we may not realize that these are not just out there. They're directly where communities are, and communities of people that can't just move. So we think that's useful for getting that information out. Another vehicle is we do a lot of collaborative events. Sometimes they're educational events. We held an event today where we brought women from Guatemala who are working on these incredible weaving opportunities to create microenterprise and provide for their families. People here in Loveland or Fort Collins or regions outside of that may not realize the context and what's happening in Guatemala, but suddenly they're here face-to-face with someone from that area who can tell them firsthand. And and that support is great. One other avenue is what we call the global market. Um, We host this global market that brings together a wide variety of organizations. And it's not just to sell products. It's really to connect people to the issues and regions that they may not know of. So right now we're highlighting Africa. And people might say, oh, Africa, but they may not realize all the specific concerns in Africa and all the amazing organizations in our communities addressing concerns in Africa. So suddenly by coming to the global market, they get information, they get a focus on the region, and then they get a chance to actually support the artisans with their purchases. So we call it gifts plus justice.
0: Gifts plus justice. Okay. And is this something that's going to be open Monday through Friday, like working hours where people can just kind of...
1: So there is a Trailhead Cafe that's open 7 to 2, Monday through Friday, and we are open those same hours. And then on Sundays, we're open also 8 a.m. to 1 p.m. So people can come from the community any of those hours um, and take a look at what's there at the global market. We rotate frequently, so every few months we'll have another set of organizations representing other regions. Right now, I mentioned Africa, but we also have Cambodia represented, Guatemala represented, other local organizations. And then on top of it, next uh, you know, few months, we'll be featuring Asian and as well as Latin American other organizations. Wow. Wow. That's okay. A lot of issues, a lot of,
0: you know, countries and things going on too. So where do you find the people that either work for you or volunteer? What kinds of needs do you have as far as maybe people that might be able to help you push the needle forward in, in what you want to do?
1: I'll back up and say the people that work for Global have been amazing, amazing individuals who work at a level of sacrifice. So some of them are full-time students, not just in undergrad, but also in law school and graduate programs. And they just really believe in what we're doing. So they carve out time to do this with us. Others are professionals who are out there in the field and they do that. And then some others are working for us completely. In all these contexts, we have never searched for someone. It was always this amazing thing where someone would step forward and you realize, wow, this individual has certain skills and abilities for X or Y or Z program that we have. For example, I mentioned the global market, the gal that is running that right now, she moved here from upstate New York and came with these great skills that are perfect for something like that. And she's doing a tremendous job. Now, in terms of volunteers in the community, there's endless opportunities. We are looking for a wide range of people. We're looking for people who may want to come and serve um, in things like our events or maybe the global market. We also want people who have expertise. So if you are a professional with certain skills and backgrounds, you know maybe it's technical, maybe it's something more substantive, we'd like to know that because these projects we work on always need technical support. Sometimes it could be research. Sometimes it could be reviewing. Other times, it's just simply someone that's there to help and support. And so financial support is also very important. We are a nonprofit organization. And we kind of liken ourselves to you know public radio or public television, where the majority of the things that we provide to the community are free. And we intend to do it that way. But then there's a core of people who really believe in what we're doing. So they support us and make that possible so that someone who maybe couldn't afford that could still have access to it.
0: Do you have a vision of... Where you might see it going in the next maybe five years—I want to say five years—but in 2014, it has been five years yes, now. We so just in the next, September. yeah, in the next five years,
1: where do you see this going? All I can say is escalation. <laughs> so you know, I'll, ideally, everything that we're doing here, uh, locally, nationally, internationally, would just continue to exponentially grow. What we want is right now we have dozens and dozens of organizations, educational groups, individuals involved. And while that's wonderful, and we're really excited about that, and people just say, wow, that's amazing, it's just the beginning. It's a tip of an iceberg kind of thing. Because if you think about the range of concerns in this globe and the severity of those concerns, that's not enough. We need to continue to expand, continue to connect and link arms. Ultimately, I would say, I hope we don't have a global justice. And that might seem like an odd thing to say. But we exist because there are injustices in the world, right? So the ultimate goal is to work to a degree where we have such a highly conscious community that we wouldn't need an entity like ourselves. But until then, we have to work to get more and more people engaged using our services and resources, using our website for information, allowing us to help them do their work better. Support comes from Open Stage Theatre and Company, presenting The Full Monty, book by Terrence McNally, music and lyrics by David Yazbek, directed by Kate Austin Groon, playing November 2nd to November 30th at the Lincoln Center Magnolia Theatre in Fort Collins. Tickets and more information available at OpenStage.com. Hey everybody this is adrian from feminist hot dog and i want you to join me and my awesome guests as we put the fun in feminism it's true on feminist hot dog we explore all the ways feminism makes the world a better place no matter who you are so come hang out on wednesdays at 8 p.m mountain on noco fm and don't forget love yourself and love your buns see you on wednesday
0: So explain like what you just said, trying to get people to use your services. So what kinds of things would people come to you for?
1: So if you're a student, we have something called a clearinghouse. And in the clearinghouse are a wide variety of topics uh, ranging from issues like, you know, what's happening in the arts to war and peacekeeping. If you're a student doing a paper or doing a project, it's a great first place to go to learn not only about the topic, but what other entities are working on that topic, what articles are out there and commentaries. Professionals can also use those same things. Um, There are many different tools there. For organizations, it's a place to sort of say, well, who else is out there, you know, maybe that I could work with. A lot of advocacy groups are very, very um, good people doing good things, but they don't know how to connect with others because you're so involved in doing your, your work. So we provide a way to to connect them. And so, you know, we gave a couple examples of that. For people that are just, you know, on the street and want to be better informed, we provide global news every day. It's a summary and a capsule. Because we're nonpartisan, we try to give a very level and balanced view. That's one of our sort of sub-contexts, is that we're creating a platform for a more even-keel discourse. Things are so divided in our country and in our world right now. And so if we can find a place where people can be informed reasonably, and then be able to engage in discussion. That's what we'd like to do. So we provide commentary. We provide different types of forums for people to be able to talk about these issues. And
0: this is all located on your website, or is it like a daily email that they would get if they wanted to get global news Mm -hmm. or something from Facebook or social media?
1: So we use a lot of platforms. So our website is a central place to get a lot of that information, but then we use social media extensively. So we're on Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, and Twitter. And so these posts, whether it's global news, updates about organizations or things that we're doing, they go out every day. And so it's a great way to get a quick blip on what's happening around the world. In addition to those, we do create on-site opportunities too. So we host various kinds of events. For example, in March, we'll be hosting for International Women's Day our Women Empowering Women event, which has been a wonderful event to gather the community and bring these wonderful women leaders from different backgrounds together. So those are great, too, because it's different to go online versus being in person and engage you know directly. We teach many courses as well, um, some of them on site and some of them online. So for institutions around the country that are looking for more global justice-oriented courses... They can engage us. We build the course. We teach the course. So, for example, next semester, I'll be teaching for a law school in Southern California for an undergraduate program, both here in Colorado and uh, in Oregon, and then also a master's level course. And so all of those are happening simultaneously, but in different places.
0: So I feel lucky because you're in Colorado. <laughs> but I want to hear more about this event in March that you talked about. This sure. Women Empowering Women.
1: So we do lots of events, but the Women Empowering Women is very special because it's not just women gathering and talking about one particular issue or issues. It's really women inspiring one another. So we may have individuals that are, you know, emerging leaders, some that are very seasoned leaders, and they exchange, they talk about, you know, what allows them to be leaders on justice. Or what are some of the challenges to being a leader? And so that interchange between these different people from different backgrounds is really sort of energizing. It's a wonderful opportunity to get people together. And you've had that before here, right, yes. in Fort Collins? I in thought Fort I Collins. saw something. Okay, mm-hmm. was it, it at Everyday Joe's? We did it at Everyday Joe's okay. the last two years. Okay. This year we may be doing it in Loveland to just to be able to bring another audience into it. It's been a growing event, and so we want to look at you know other venues that where we can grow.
0: And how many people do you have that attend? Is it growing? And how many, I mean, are you in need of either volunteers for that event or even people that might want to get connected as
1: well? Well, both, you know, we can always use volunteers for even basic things from setup to registration. But then we also offer opportunities for exhibitors. You know, we want um, the women that are attending to also know what other resources are in the community for women's topics or just generally for advocacy on various topics. And so it's a great place to kind of gather all those resources. Similarly, we're doing an event in January that is focused on advocacy and wellness. So what we want to do is bring together different resources in the community to help support people who are healing from various types of abuses and to let them know that that's a lifelong process. You know, if you're rescued from a situation, that doesn't mean you're suddenly better. And it may be a lifelong process. So we want them to know these resources so that event will allow um, Some people to share about their own personal experiences, but then also to see what's out there to help and support them. You
0: know, my head's going, right? Like I'm going, okay, I've got connection after connection. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my gosh, I got to tell them about this and tell them about that. Because <laughs> that's amazing. Okay. So January and February, yes. I mean, January and March. March. And then this should be on your website, right? Yes, so that people can that check will it will out. Okay. We
1: pretty much have something almost every month. Um, wow. So in December, we are hosting something called Christmas in Africa where we're showcasing African organizations that are working in different uh, regions and, and talking about some of the experiences that they've had and, and the services they provide. January is the event I just mentioned, this uh, Advocacy and Wellness uh, Fair. In March, we have our Women Empowering Women, but we also support other events. Um, so, for example, Colorado State University is hosting their uh, anti-human trafficking symposium. I serve as chair for their research track. And so it gives us a chance at Global to be a great resource to them as uh, different researchers are sharing about different cutting edge um, information that's great for fighting human trafficking.
0: I'm trying to think how your organization works because there's so much. So do you have like people that are maybe not in charge, but just the advocates as well as the person who does the research for that particular topic, like human trafficking
1: well, it's interesting because for the scale that we do things, we don't have that many staff people. Uh, it comes in a combination of our collaborations with the organizations and just a lot of hard work. To be very honest with you, so it is long days, it is long hours, and you know, with global, there's no nine to five. It is a constant. But what it does offer me as a mom, you know, as a wife, and you know, as just a person. It does offer me some flexibility. So I might work for a chunk of time here on one thing and then maybe a chunk of time on something else. And it just gives me a chance to kind of move around. So sometimes it's a little bit like being a conductor in a symphony, you know, <laughs> over here, the horn section, over here, the you know string section. And that's just kind of how we have to operate, you know, because of the nature of who we are, which is a resource. We are in a lot of places. But having said that, we do make strategic decisions. And so it's not like we can be everywhere all the time and do everything. So I will never pretend that we have every subject down because that's not accurate. You know, we focus on topics based on our collaborative opportunities, based on partnerships that we have, based on our own expertise on certain subject matter. So we have certain arenas that we emphasize, but then on those areas that we don't know as well, and an opportunity rises, we draw on experts. So we have a wonderful selection of expert commentators that can speak to many issues. Um, and then we have organizations that, you know, are working on the ground and they can provide input. So it's really a matter of knowing how to pool resources and information while also doing the work. I love to ask this
0: question too, but for you, I'm going to make it a little bit different. So I usually like to find out maybe if there's like a particular story or something that you've encountered, but also, so if there is a story, I'd love for you to tell it, or I was going to um, ask you has there been a certain area of justice that has really tugged at your heart over the others?
1: That's a hard one for me to answer as, as one topic, and you probably guessed that just because of the nature of global we we see as interconnected. But there's a place where I am always particularly concerned, and that's vulnerable populations. So um, I have a course. We have you know, other subject matter that we use on this topic. But when I say vulnerable populations, it means anyone that is not able to really exercise their rights because of circumstances that they cannot control. It could be poverty, it could be uh, race, it could be gender, it could be a wide variety of things. But when they're in a situation where they're being abused, when they're treated as less just because of their circumstance, that's a place that I'm, I'm particularly sensitive about. And I think to me, that's really why I went into human rights work. You know, I think about like, for example, right about the time I started in this work was just shortly after the Rwandan genocide. And they were just purely just innocent poor people who were slaughtered. And the world really didn't do much. That was one of those moments where you just have to stop and go, hey, you know, something really terrible happened and they didn't have control over that. And it requires people to step up and speak up.
0: Wow. Okay. So is there anything else that we may, might not have covered about
1: global justice that you want people to know of? Well, one is to not be overwhelmed and not be afraid. Of taking a step for justice. I think for a lot of people, injustices are so difficult and they feel just like it's too much, you know, and what can I do as one person? Or it's a drop in a bucket if I help this organization or, you know, whatever it is. And what I would challenge every listener is to realize that, you know, the drop in a bucket does add up. And as each person, you know, plays their role, we can start having progress And it doesn't have to be something monumental. It could be something really small. It could be just simply helping that one child that you know or that one neighbor in need or whatever that might be. That's how justice begins. And so I really want to encourage people to not get overwhelmed by the fact that these are big, huge topics that might not get resolved in our lifetime. As a human rights advocate, what I have learned is you have to think about something beyond our lifetime. You know, so it's really about legacy. And so legacy comes with just those little steps moving in the right direction. I like that. Is there any other
0: advice? Because that was some really good advice, but is there any other advice that you can share with our listeners to take that first step to make that world a better place?
1: Well, I often tell people that it's really important, especially since we work cross-generationally, to think also in terms of mentoring and mentorship. So if you are a seasoned professional, speak into the life of someone who's trying to to make it to become someone like you. And similarly, you know, seek out someone that will mentor you there's no point in our life that we can't learn right so you should always have someone that's speaking into your life and someone where you get to do that for them that's i think another part of this work and you know i don't um pretend that you know through global we're going to resolve every single issue but if we can put people together and people who can share their knowledge and experience and pass it on generation after generation will become that much stronger you know i i have really complete faith that my son my daughters they're going to see a better circumstance than we do even if they face challenges because they could become that much more aware.
0: Thank you so much for tuning in to Connecting a Better World, and thank you NOCO FM for supporting this show. If you haven't heard, NOCO FM is dedicated to bring diverse voices and spotlighting a unique culture to Fort Collins and beyond. For more information, please visit www.noco.fm. If you connected to something in this episode, we would love to hear from you. Our contact info will be listed in the show notes, as well as you can reach us on our social media channels. Please feel free to share our podcast with your friends and loved ones. For more shows, please tune in to noco.fm online. This has been a production of NOCO FM.